answered. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests uh, to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see him again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptised, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul in Damascus and Jerusalem. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Here ends the reading. Good morning. Wow, that was... uh, Okay, good morning. I know we've been sitting here for some time already and um, you're probably all comfortable or not so comfortable in your seat. So um, here's what we're going to do. You guys love it when I get up here. I can see your faces already, I can tell. We're talking about change. And one one of the ways that we can change is change our perspective. And sometimes you can change your perspective right through life, and sometimes you can change it just for now. So here's the challenge. At the risk of adding another two minutes to our church service, I'm going to get you to change your perspective. You, if you're sitting on this side of the church, you need to sit now on this side of the church, and you need to sit to, next to someone different than you're sitting to next to now. You have two minutes to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Okay, how does the world look from where you are now? What was that? Better. This is, this is the good side, is it? Okay. All right, now that just got you to move and get the blood moving again because you've been sitting. You know, at this uh, point of the sermon, at uh, the service, um, it's easy for someone that gets up the front here to look at the clock and start panicking. You know, and it's, you start thinking about your message and you, um, and you start looking at what can I cut? Seriously, ask anyone that's spoken, that's what you do. But this morning when we were praying before the service, John said something which stuck in my mind. He said, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of words in the world. You know, maybe radio, music, books, television, all that sort of stuff. When we come to church, when we talk about the word, it's the final word, isn't it? This is God. And so we want the final word to have, um, to have it say. We don't want to cut it short. We, hey, I'm not building a case for a long sermon here, by the way, so don't worry. But it just reminded me not to panic and not to think, you know, I need to cut something out. 
or I need to figure out what I'm going to do here. And my prayer this morning, I'm going to pray that uh, now with us, is that the Holy Spirit would enable you in whatever we talk about this morning or the rest of the service, but you will have heard the word of God this morning, the final word. You know, the word that actually can change your life and can do way more to change your perspective than moving from one side of the church to the other can do. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, I pray for every single one of us now and I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be impacted by your word this morning, that our minds are fixed on what's coming up and what the rest of the day looks like. And We've been sitting here for a while, but I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that we would be able to be moved by your word this morning, that we would hear you this morning and know you and in the way that only you can be known. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Andrew. I'm sorry, I should have said that first. I'm one of the pastors here and it's my pleasure to lead you this morning. And we have been doing this little mini, mini, mini micro-series for four weeks around change. We've called it Stories of Change or Changed People, Change People, and Changed Lives, Change Lives. I know that all sounds a little bit, you get your tongue tied in that. And we've been looking at how God changed us how he keeps changing us and how he uses us through that, through that change to bring change to other people. In the first week we had Luke who came and shared um, uh, what, what, how God changed him, this, how God attracted him to become a follower and how he's using that change in Uganda to change a lot of other young people. Last week, uh, I wasn't here, but um, Andrew shared with us uh, the change in his life and how his change was a considered change because the circumstances in his life changed. There are different ways that God changes us. And this morning, we're going to talk about a couple of stories. We're going to hear a couple of stories of change. And we've heard one already from the Word. You know, sometimes the change is, is gradual, isn't it? And, and with our knowledge and, and with our will, you know, we're part of the change. We, we recognize it. And it becomes a process to embark on. And even sometimes we ask God for it because we want it or we know we need it. We need to change. We need things to change in our lives. Then there are times we think we have it all worked out. We feel we're on the right track. We see no need or have no desire to see anything change. And we don't even feel like it's necessary. And yet it comes abruptly, suddenly, unexpectedly. And Saul's story here, we read this morning, is one of those. He figured he knew what he was doing. He believed it was right. In fact, the, the, you know, in the um, ESV version, it uses the word zealous a lot of times. He was zealous in what he did. He believed he was right. He was committed to it. He was fanatical about it. And he was excellent at it. He wanted to excel. He wanted to be the one. He was the guy. He said to the, to the Caesars and the kings, and send me, I'm going to go and, and fix this up. You know, and in verse 2, there's a hint if you look in, in our text, and if you happen to have it open, but I'll read it to you. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, this was the new, uh, this was the Jesus movement, if you like, this was the, the threat to the established order, to the Jewish way. But if he found anyone belonging to that new way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, being brought bound to Jerusalem was not a good thing. You know, you probably weren't going to see the rest of the year out. 
you know, if you're being dragged bound to Jerusalem. So he was really, really good at what he was doing and really, really believed that he was doing the right thing. But God had change in mind for him, didn't he? And what sort of options did God have? I started thinking about that this week. You know, here's Saul. He's kind of, he's, he's, he's working against God's movement. And God's thinking, I've got to change this man. So what will I do? Shall I send him a messenger? Maybe I'll happen to have him read a book that he'll be convicted by. Or perhaps there'll be this niggly feeling in him. You know, maybe someone will give him a prophecy or, you know. But for, God, for Saul, in the end, it needed to be abrupt because this was going to be a total change. It was going to be a total turnaround for Saul. And God needed to blindside him. And I've, that's what I've called uh, the message today, blindsided by change. God needed to blindside him on his way. And God saw and, and, and God knew um, Saul's zealous nature. And he knew that's exactly what the new mission would need. And this would be the point that God would turn him around and change his life direction and mission incredibly. And God in his wisdom knew this was necessary. But the fruit would be amazing. The fruit would be glory to God. And, and the fruit would be this tremendous growth for the kingdom of God. And we, looking back on the story, we can see that, can't we? We can read the stories. We read of Saul who became Paul. We read of his exploits and, and his missionary journeys. You know, I was reading this week, Saul is considered, or Paul is considered by many commentators as the second most influential for historical and modern-day Christianity, you know, Jesus being the first. So fairly strong influence, and, and that's what God did in him. See, God did that. And God can do that if he wants, can't he? We don't often want it, but God can do that, can't he? And he does that. So we've been asking people, we had, I said we had Luke and Andrew, we've been asking people to share their stories these last few weeks. And this morning I've just asked Lauren to, to share her story, and some of you might have heard her story before. Not because she's a Saul, or not because she was living a life that displeased God, but she has a testimony about how God pretty much surprised or even blindsided her by change as well. So I'm just going to ask Lauren to come up. Good morning. Um, so Andrew asked me the other day if I'd be willing to share a bit of my story over the last couple of years. Um, I apologise for those who've probably heard me here at Generate or have even just heard the story over um, in the past. Um, but I'm just going to share it really quickly about how I was blindsided by change. I guess you could say I was one of those girls who went through, through school knowing where I wanted to go when I finished Year 12. And I had a pretty well mapped out timeline of my life. I got into the degree I wanted and it's about two years ago now where I had wrapped up my uni degree with a Bachelor of Paramedics. Next step was to get a job. Uh, thinking I would be working within a matter of months after I finished my degree, um, Ambulance Victoria actually stopped recruiting within those couple of months and after I submitted my application, um, they were sending them back. And this is the beginning of my patient's journey. Um, one quality that I learnt I was pretty weak in. I'd fast forward a few months to November 2015 and I actually got an offer for Ambulance Victoria. It was about eight months later, um, pending the results of my fitness test. I'd done the fitness test at the gym a few times with no problem, so I was really excited about the offer and I told mostly everyone around me. 
Um, as well as this, I'd also been in a relationship for about four years and I was looking um, towards those next steps of marriage, buying a house and setting up my future. So according to my timeline of life, things were all going to plan and it was pretty crazy. Um, it was probably two weeks later at the end of November though, things pretty much took a 180 degree turn within a couple of, mu- couple of weeks and it came as a huge surprise for me to say the least. Um, I was unsuccessful with my fitness test for Ambulance Victoria. Um, Evidently today I'm one of those people who get pretty nervous over small things. Um, So on the day I was really nervous and my heart rate went two beats over the cutoff. Um, So we had to do an exercise and the limit was 165 beats while exercising. And I went 167, so that's an automatic fail, which I was pretty cut about. And then a few weeks later, my relationship at the time ended quite quickly and unexpectedly, which came with a lot of hurt. Um, I clearly remember wrestling with God a lot in that period. Um, It sounds a bit extreme now when I look back, but I doubted God and I didn't think he had a plan for me, and either that or he'd forgotten about me. I was going through a lot of my own identity and self-worth stuff, and I repeatedly asked God the question of, Why did you let me get so close to where I wanted to be, only to close the door at the last minute? It took me a couple of months of asking that question, but one day I realised the irony of that question. Why didn't he let me get to where I wanted to be? And that is where I now look back and I can see why. It was actually because he had his hand of protection over my life and this was the beginning of a necessary change for me. It was in this time that I would say God put me in a growth spurt moment. I was going down a path that I probably never would have had the courage to change myself. Um, It was comfortable for me, but there were also red flags that I was ignoring. God had to stop me in my tracks and turn me the other way, and he definitely did it suddenly. I didn't see any of it coming, but I probably grew more in those few months than I had in a long time before that. I look back and I don't actually see a path where God left me on my own. I see a path of God's never-ending provision and protection. Um, Practically, he provided me with a job with my local federal member, which was actually a huge blessing. Um, I was reminded of that saying for such a time as this. While I was working there, although I struggled being like this isn't where I want to be, I was actually able to initiate some connections with people um, that have actually had some awesome growth now. Um, He ended a relationship which I can now see clearly was not God's ideal view of a relationship for me. Um, He gave me necessary time to heal before putting me in a job where I needed to be mentally and emotionally strong. He provided me with a job with Ambulance Victoria five months later in May when I had been strengthened and shaped as an individual. I now have a stronger identity that is found in God and not defined by a fitness test or what um, a guy might think. And I have a whole new understanding of self, self-worth and what it means to be strong in that as an individual, but also in a relationship setting. While this time in my life created some big changes for me, I trust God is also going to use this change to impact those around me. I don't fully know what those changes are yet, but it's a story um, that I've already been able to share in more depth with young girls about the importance of self-worth. And it's created me to be a stronger person, which I believe has allowed me to serve in my job and ministries I'm, more, I'm involved in more effectively.
going forward, I'm also open to other areas where God may continue to use me and who he shaped me to be. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. Great. It's amazing. Isn't it wonderful to hear how God works? You know, and to see that it happens in, in our ordinary everyday lives. And I think we'd all agree after hearing that, that God is amazing in the way that he directs life. That he sees that we don't, and that his love, is, his love is always the driving force behind the changes he brings into our lives, however they come, whether they come gradually, whether they come without, or whether they come suddenly. You see, when God brings change into our lives, it's for a purpose. And we know that, and, and we, we would say that. But even the way that he brings change is intentional. God doesn't do anything kind of by the by. Sometimes that's immediately clear and obvious, and for Saul, God had to stop the course. Saul needed that sudden blindsiding. He was so committed to what he was doing, so one-eyed. For him to take on the new, God was going to need to intervene. Saul, his new mission would be completely opposite and different and he needed to be stopped in his tracks. And it was immediate. We read ahead and if we have a a look ahead at our um, scripture in 21 and 22, I think you'll see um, he gets right into it, doesn't he? In verse 21 and 22, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he's the son of God. He had only just recently been telling everyone Jesus is not the son of God. I'm going to kill you if you say that. And now he says immediately... He's in the synagogue saying, he's the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, isn't this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem, who bound people and took them, who, to anyone who called on his name? And hasn't he come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? We read ahead and we see that he's, he's, he was pretty much applying that zealous nature, that, that enthusiasm immediately to his new course. And that, that old, no compromise nature that... that Saul had had in his old mission, God was now applying that to the new. That same enthusiasm that he had applied to ridding the world of Jesus' message, he was now applying to reach the world with the message of Jesus. Isn't that amazing how God can do that? And of course, he did it in his rash. And if you read ahead and, and, and if you read commentaries, and he re- did it with his rash and his gung ho and hurried and impatient nature sometimes. You see, God still used him. And there's a bit of a, um, Andy Stanley once did a bit of a, a talk about Paul when he got, finally got together with the disciples and when they were convinced that, that, okay, he was on their side and he really wanted to reach the world and let's do this faster. And the disciples were a little bit timid and scared. And so, you know, he tells a story, which isn't true, I don't think, you know, where's this map of the world, you know, and, and Paul or Saul, Paul says to the guys, guys, let's go and reach the world. You know, okay, here's Jerusalem. You guys take that, I'll get the rest. Now, that was his nature. He was just ready to go and do as much as he could. And um, I have a friend who was also blindsided by change. And the result and reason was also immediately clear, just like Saul. And uh, he could apply it straight away. His name is Richard. He's a Dutch guy. And I met him many, many, well, yeah, many, many, I'm sounding old now, many, many years ago. He was an uh, Olympic swimmer. And we met him in Amsterdam when we were doing an outreach when I was with YWAM in those days. And he had been, he had been over in the States and he was back in Amsterdam. Amsterdam was about to host the Gay Olympics. 
and he was an Olympic swimmer and he was gay and he was part of the organising committee for the Gay Olympics and we happened to run into him and we shared the gospel with him, we um, talked to him and he was curious about what we were doing because we were obviously planning an outreach to the Gay Olympics as well, you know, and um, we got really friendly with him and, and we hadn't seen him for a few weeks and we saw him, he came to us and he said that he was totally changed. And he went to, he inexplicably found himself in a little church in Amsterdam one Sunday morning, wondering why he was there after a night bender. And um, the church had about, he would say it had about 15 people, 14 of them old ladies and a preacher. And after church, about 14 old ladies surrounded him and asked him who he was and, you know, were doing the welcoming committee, you know. And he swore, he said in his mind, when I get out of here, I am never, ever coming back here. I don't know how I got here. The next Sunday, where he found himself was back in that little church. And he could not understand why. So we had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord. And he couldn't understand why God was changing his, his story. That's too long a story to, to tell right now. But God changed his story. He joined our outreach to the Gay Olympics. We were busy when the Gay Olympics were on. We met a guy in the metro and he knew Richard and he said, Richard, I haven't seen you for a year. Where have you been? He said, I've been here all the time. He says, well, have you got a new boyfriend? He said, I'm in love with another man. Can I tell you about him? And he started sharing him, Jesus with him. He's now married. He has two kids and he ministers to, um, in the middle of Amsterdam to um, the people there. He saw immediately why God changed him, because God was going to use him to reach the world that he came from with the new message. So sometimes it's abundantly clear. I have another friend who God blindsided by change, but it wasn't immediate. Sometimes it's not immediately clear why. His name's Ed, and he also lives in Holland. He's American, Canadian, actually. Don't call him an American. You'll get in trouble. He's Canadian. He's a wonderful man of God. And uh, had many conversations with him. He didn't begin that way. When he was young, he was the leader of the Satanist movement in Canada, organizing conferences, and he was the head, whatever you called them. Um, and he would say, even though he's part of YWAM, he would call himself a Calvinist because he says, I was never looking for God, and God came and got me. Totally changed his life. Same sort of story. Some Christians found him and shared the story. He found it irresistible. But he never knew why. Up until about 10 years ago, he just studied Greek thinking. He's a bit of a thinker and a lot of studying. But he began a ministry 10 years ago online, um, evangelizing, to, uh, evangelizing or sharing the gospel with um, forums of Satanists online. Because he knew their language. He knew how to speak to them. And he's led now 17 people out of that movement to the Lord. But it took many years but God used that sudden change that he didn't understand why. Faithful man. You know, and, and we heard Lauren's story, and perhaps it's not all super clear yet, even though we're seeing bits and pieces, or why, or, or what, or how. But if we look at Saul, and at, at Richard, and at Ed, we can see how they have, and they can use their story to change others. And, and we have faith that we're going to see it more and more in Lauren too, and others here. Saul knew that his story of change was real. There's this recognition, you know, when he was hit off his donkey with a light, he uses the word, who are you, Lord? And he knew this was, this was serious, this was not normal. And he knew that this change story, that he could and should use it to convince others, to draw others to the truth. See, he owned 
the new story. He owned what had happened to him. You know, he wasn't embarrassed by it. He wasn't ashamed to tell people that, you know, I was doing this enthusiastically and then, you know, here goes God and knocks me off. But he wasn't embarrassed by his story. He owned it. He shared it. He opened his life to that. You know, in the, the account we read, that's Luke telling the story. But if you read further into Acts, if you read chapter 22 and, and 26, you'll see that Saul uses his own story uh, as a bit of leverage, he uses that change, the way that God changed him, to prove that this is that's a true that that the God he serves, the Jesus that he's drawing them to, is real. In chapter twenty-two, he uses his story to show uh, to show people that change is real, and so Jesus is real. He says, "I'm not some weird foreigner with weird ideas. I'm one of you, but I'm changed." And here's how it happened. And he goes and recounts the story, almost literally the same as we see it, how Luke tells it at the start. And it's real, and, it, and this could be for you too. He appeals to the crowd. He's up on the steps. And he used his story to convince and silence the crowd and invite them to the same change that he'd been brought into. You know, who could believe it, guys? But it's real kind of story. And in chapter 26, he finds himself before Agrippa. And um, this is a man that he knows has some wisdom. He knows the word of God through history. And he's about to be either he's about to be convicted, and some serious stuff's going to happen to him if he gets convicted. So he has a moment. He says to Agrippa, "Can I speak?" And he has a moment to speak. And he says, "Agrippa, you know, I did what these guys are doing to me now. I was like that, but let me tell you how that changed. I, I was doing the same as your your people are doing, trying to knock this Jesus thing on the head. But let me tell you what happened. And what happened to me is in line with what God said to Moses years ago. Now he was talking to Agrippa because he knew that Moses knew, uh, that Agrippa knew history. It's in line with what you know God told Moses Agrippa and he was appealing to Agrippa's knowledge. But the point is, he used his story of change. He used the way that God blindsided him, that God suddenly changed him to open the door to change other people. So Saul embraced the change and he could see and he saw the way that God changed him as a story to tell, a proof of God's work. And it was never just about him. When you hear Paul tell these stories, and Paul, we might call him impetuous, we might see lots of different characteristics, but it was never just about Paul in the end, was it? It was always about something much bigger. You know, in your story, Lauren's story, Ed's story, Richard's story, my story, your story is never just about you. It's bigger than you, much bigger than you. It's about the King of Kings, that Jesus who came and died for you and for everybody else. It was never just about him. And with that story that Paul or Saul or Paul had received, and with our stories comes that responsibility to not just keep it inside and make it about you and, and have warm fuzzies till you get to heaven. It's always about something bigger, isn't it? Whether change comes in your life gradually or through a process or like Saul blindsided, it's always with the mission in mind. Keller, Tim Keller has some great sermons on that. We might not always know it at the time, why God changed us. We heard that with, with Lauren's story as well and, and Ed's story. Or why he did it the way that he did it. Why did he change our direction? And it might even seem at first a bit wrong or, or hurtful or, or mean at first it might not make any sense to you but god had a plan for saul and he would need paul was going to need that story that radical story he would go on to convert many to christ 
He would plant churches. He would be a man that had great faith in a God of possibilities. And he would share that with the churches and the people and leaders in the churches he planted. And he would, have, uh, he would go on to talk about God wanting to use him in his life and wanting to use those that would listen to, to him, that God would want to use their lives. And he wasn't stopped by anything. He was a zealot in this as well. Future churches and people that Saul would, would, would contribute to creating, contribute to bringing into being, would need to know this would need to know that God is able, would need to know that God's message is powerful. Think of the Ephesian church. Think of the churches that that struggled after Paul. They would need to know that this God is a God of change because they would have challenges too. You see, that's the message for us. So we sit here, you and I. We've been changed from enemies to friends by Jesus' work on the cross. And that is probably, not probably, that is the greatest and most important change that we'll ever experience. That's the first change. You are an enemy. But through Jesus' work on the cross, you're now a friend of God. You know, a child of the kingdom. And that's a change. That's a very real change. We know that from God's word. You know that. Jesus radically changed our direction, even when we were enthusiastically going in the opposite direction. Think of Romans 5, where, in, where Paul says in Romans that you know, while we were still sinning, while we were still doing the stuff that was uh, offensive to God, Jesus died for us on the cross. While, Paul, while Saul was still offensive to God, was killing the followers of the way, God had a plan for him. And God has a plan for us. We know that and we love that, don't we? We love hearing that. And we also know that God is continuing his work of change in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And that we can bring change, that we can be change agents. That God works in and through our lives, even using our stories of change. You know, stories are amazing things. Stories are ways to to draw people into something real. And you have a story. so that we can be change agents. For others to see the power and the passion and the love of Christ at work in the world, in our lives and in their lives. So what do we do? We, what do we need to do? We need to embrace the change from death to life that Jesus brought for you first. That's the first change. If you have not yet embraced that change, if you don't know that Jesus changed your identity by his work on the cross from foe to friend, we want to share that story with you. We want to tell you about that change. We want you to embrace that. And those of us that do know that, embrace that. Recognize that. Embrace the change that's been brought into your life. And let that be the beginning of your story. And then allow God to continue the story, to change you, however that happens. When it's tough or, or undefined or you don't know what's, what's happening, learn to surrender to God. Trust Him. Know that He has a plan to use you and your story in the lives of others. He's a good God. (laughs) I wrote that here and we sang that this morning. He's a good, good Father. He's a good God. He loves us more. He loves us more than He loves what we do. But He uses who we are And he uses what he does in our lives to display that same love to the world. That's why it's there. That's why why we're changed.
I'm reminded again of those final, the way John shared before church, the final word. That's the final word. I defeated death on the cross. You're now my child. You belong. And I want to continue to change you and, and write my story through you. We're privileged to have Saul's story. We're privileged to have Ed's story. We're privileged to hear Richard's story and, and all those stories. We're blessed to hear and know Lauren's story. It's nice to hear close to home, someone we know, one of us, our own family story, isn't it? Stories of change. God's change are powerful and encouraging. They remind us again and again of an active, pursuing, passionate Father who never stops building His kingdom in us and around us and who never stops using us as His builders as well. You've got a story of change? Is God changing stuff in your life? Does it look like things are going to change in your life? Do you feel like you need change or want it? Feel like it's kind of happening in your life right now? Are you maybe a bit confused by some of the things that are happening in your life? Are you a bit confused about what doesn't seem to be going the way that it always has or the way that you'd like it to be? Or have you changed and you're trying to figure out what's it all for? What, what, oh God, how do I move from here? Where do I go? Or do you want to know what this change from foe to friend is about? Do you want to know about the change that Jesus brought into your life through his death on the cross? Do you want to know more about that? Do you want to be encouraged by that? We want to pray for you, whatever that is. We want to pray that God continues that process of change in our lives, that stories of change would continue to bring glory to God, to the world. You know, we, um, as missionaries and and I've, we, you know, I spend quite a lot of time reading and, and we spend a lot of our life being missionaries. We, we always talk about the unreached world. But, you know, and our minds can't fathom with today's technology that there are people out there that don't, have never heard the word Jesus, have no idea. But they're out there. And maybe through your story of change, maybe even here in Australia, through you talking to someone, you might be the only Jesus they'll ever meet or the first Jesus they'll ever meet. How cool would that be if you were prepared, if you wanted to be changed to be like that? Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for stories of change. We want to thank you, Lord, that your word is a rich, rich deposit of your work, your wonderful work in the lives of many people. And Lord, we thank you for Saul's change. We thank you that you renamed him Paul and he went on to do great things for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that that change, reading about that, hearing about that, is an impact for us. Even knowing the way that you did that, Lord, out of love, that you knew you needed to do that. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the other stories of change around us. We thank you for Lauren's story this morning. We thank you just for the testimony of your faithfulness, your love and your care. That's glaringly obvious through that. We thank you, Lord, that we know that each one of us has been granted that change from once being your enemy and now being your friend. We thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to go to the cross, to make that transition, to make that transaction so that we no longer had anything between us and the Father, that we are now children of God. 
And Lord, we look forward to the continual change that you make and changes and changes and changed lives that you bring to us. And Lord, we pray for the courage, we pray for the willingness and, and the ability to leverage and to use that change to bring you and change the lives of others. God, use us as individuals, use us as a church, use us as a community, as, as families, as ministries, so that we too can celebrate and give thanks to you for stories of change. And Lord, we pray these things not just because they're nice things to pray at the end of a sermon, because we really want to see that change in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And just before we sing, and we're going to sing a closing song and our service will be over, another thing that John said before, John's sort of featuring a little bit in this service. Where has he gone? He's down there something somewhere. Hey, there he is. Another thing that John said when we prayed, you know, that again, you know, we have all those words around us and those sounds around us. He said, you know, he was challenging us. He said, you know, Maybe when you leave church today, turn the radio off in your car. Because you know you get in your car and you turn the ignition on, and the first thing, the, the sound comes on, the radio comes on, and turn the radio off for a while and ponder the Word of God, that final word in your life, just a little bit longer. Good challenge, huh? Thanks, Joel.